Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at My Peace Corps Story, on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story, and as always, over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com. If you've been listening to the show and enjoying it, and you happen to be listening via Apple Podcast, uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. Speaking of uh, wanting to know what you think, thank you for everybody who has been reaching out to me uh, just to say hi uh, via Instagram, had a, a few LinkedIn people because I, I turned off the comment section on uh, the My Peace Corps story because I was getting a lot of spam, so I need to go and fix that uh, so you guys have an easier way to, to contact me if you want to use uh, the contact form. But thank you for everybody who has been reaching out to tell me uh, what you like about the show, uh, some things that you would like to see with the show, and uh, that you're just listening. It's nice to know who is listening rather than seeing just these little uh, weekly download numbers. On this week's episode of the podcast, I talk with a current volunteer, yes, current volunteer, Jane Haynes, who is serving in Colombia. We talk about everything she's doing in her service and why serving in Colombia is not all green rolling hills and fresh coffee. Without further ado, this is this is this is this is my my peace corps peace corps my peace corps my peace corps story story story. My name is Jane Haynes, and this is my peace corps story. Hey, Jane, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing well and excited to finally speak to you. Uh, as, I, as I just said before we officially started the interview, third time is the charm. Uh, first time I uh, had to reschedule because of bad weather. Uh, second time, just poor internet connection. Uh, but now everything sounds good, but that comes with the territory because you are currently serving as a Peace Corps volunteer. So let everybody know where you're serving and what you are doing. I'm currently serving as a Peace Corps volunteer on the coast of Colombia, and I'm a Community Economic Development, or SED, volunteer. Um, so that entails a lot of different things. Columbia, Peace Corps Colombia at the moment is situated on the coast of Colombia. A lot of Peace Corps programs, I think, are based in the capital, but ours is based in the city of Barranquilla, which is the country's third largest city on the coast where it's really hot. Um, and Colombia has a lot of distinct geography and culture. So the coast is kind of like a whole different culture from the rest of the country. They have their own accent and slang and all that stuff. Um, so as community economic development volunteers, it really depends on your site and kind of what the economic landscape looks like in the site where you're serving. But it could involve anything from helping community associations establish savings groups, which it could be an agricultural association or a productive association that has formed a small business or an associate, like a neighborhood association or um, really a whole 
whole plethora of things. So we work a lot with community associations and a community savings group is when they all save together either weekly or monthly and they kind of establish a small line of credit together and they learn about personal money management and how to save little by little and accomplish financial savings goals. So that's one part of our job. Another part is working in the colegios or the schools with 10th and 11th grade students. The schools only go up to 11th grade here. So the idea is that we work with them on entrepreneurship projects and we work with a curriculum that was originally established by, I think volunteers in the Dominican Republic wrote it. It's called Construye Tus Sueños. And the idea is that you kind of introduce the idea of entrepreneurship and they come up with business plans that they can actually execute in their small pueblos. Um, so at the end, it's really cool to see like their growth and some of them actually kind of follow through with their small businesses. And then the other thing that we do is work with SENA, which is really unique to Colombia. It's called the Servicio Nacional de Aprendizaje, which essentially translates to National Learning Service. It's like a nationwide government-funded or taxpayer-funded technical school. Um, so you can learn through SENA, you can learn anything from marketing to aviation to robotics. And then they have an arm of SENA that works in the pueblos in the rural areas where they send instructors out to the rural areas and they do um, practical classes so that adults who may not have completed their education or kind of don't have a lot of economic opportunity can gain a skill Anything from pig farming to cooking to uh, making sausages. I work with a sausage making group. And then at the end of the course, they can start to commercialize that skill. And usually they form an association of people and form a small business. So our job is kind of to accompany them through that process and then um, help them in the process of forming their small business with accounting and kind of investigating the market and all the basic business skills. Um, and then we have some volunteers that work with cacao farmers and associations uh, through a program called Cacao for Peace. I don't work on that, but it's a really interesting program that helps farmers convert what formerly would have been like coca crops or land that would have produced coca crops to cacao and strengthening the cacao supply chain. So lots of stuff going on in Peace Corps Columbia, and it really depends on the day. Yeah, it definitely sounds like there is a ton of stuff that uh, you guys are involved in. I uh, you uh, in particular. And I was also a SED volunteer in Peace Corps, but I was there right as the SED program was started. Uh, so I was part of a group that was trying to figure out like what to actually do as a SED volunteer. So worked on developing some of the curriculum and trainings, but we were definitely still figuring out. But it seems that in the past six years, uh, it has definitely developed and there's a lot going on. So it's, I don't know, it's interesting for me to hear all the stuff that you guys are doing in Colombia. Yeah, it is really interesting. And I'm part of only the third group of said volunteers in Colombia. So I think for previous cohorts, it wasn't quite as structured and it gets more structured as we go. But even it sounds like there's a lot more to do. <laughs> even sometimes in our pueblos, we kind of wake up one day and we're still kind of like, I don't know what to do. So it sounds really structured, but in reality, it's still kind of, you know, how Peace Corps work can be. Oh, yeah. No, when, you, when you're talking with friends and family back home, they're like, how do you have time to do anything? It sounds like you have so many projects going <laughs> on. It's like, well, each project may be a few hours a week, depending on Yeah, you're like, you don't understand how Peace Corps time works. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, very cool. And are you working on any like pet projects or different things? Because I know, uh, as you know, you've got your normal duties that fall under said. Uh, but are there any other things that you have taken up as a Peace Corps volunteer? Maybe clubs or involvement in your community? Yeah. So as at in Colombia, like a lot of posts, we have Glow, which is Girls Leading Our World. Um, and that, so I work on that kind of in an administrative capacity and also with some girls in my town. So that involves, we have a club that meets every week and then we do a camp every year, which is coming up in July. And then we also do some capacity building events throughout the year so that all the Colombian leaders and the Peace Corps volunteers can kind of come together and share about what's going on in their clubs. Um, and that I have to say is one of the coolest projects I think that we have going on in Colombia. Um, machismo is really dominant in the culture or can be, I don't want to speak in generalities, but, um, it's a really meaningful way. I think that female volunteers and some male volunteers can kind of impact the young women in their town. And then aside from that, um, I'm working on a project, a small project right now with a nearby volunteer. We kind of both identified LGBTQ communities in our town, which really surprised us given the conservative culture and views towards LGBTQ individuals. Um, so we decided that we wanted to have a meetup, um, and kind of help them organize and build a network together and kind of build that community between towns. Because unlike there's lots of, um, youth associations and agricultural associations that get lots of formal recognition and funding from the government and they get to use spaces, local spaces. Um, and I don't think the LGBTQ community, just because of their identities really get the same recognitions or, um, support. So, that we're working on a small project to bring them together, which I'm really excited about. And then other than that, I work with youth in my town. Um, they have what's called Plataformas de Juventud, which are legally established youth associations that need to receive funding from their local governments. And they plan activities for the youth in the town. And I kind of participate in that, help them plan activities, help them graphic design their flyers and things like that. Um, but that's also an interesting thing about Columbia. Every town that you go to has, sometimes it's not yet established, but they have a youth association that is by law required to be supported and funded by their local government. So, yep, definitely a, a lot of projects going on and very interesting with the LGBTQ project that you're working on. Uh, that's definitely of interest to me because I've interviewed volunteers um, who are of that community, but more or less had to go back in the closet uh, during their service for their own safety and security. And it's just so interesting that in uh, Colombia, even though you say it, it is conservative, that you're able to work with uh, locals who are part of that community and helping them have access uh, maybe to more funds or just have them recognize themselves as a community and start working together. So that is a very interesting project. Yeah, exactly. It surprised us too. And I think that is still a pretty common experience. I can't speak, I don't identify with that community, but it does seem like volunteers, a lot of volunteers still go back into the closet during their service, but it is good to know that, yeah, there is, there are LGBTQ communities. It surprised both of us for sure. Mm-hmm. And how long how long have you been a volunteer? What where where are you in the twenty seven months? So I arrived in Colombia in July of last year. So I'm approaching a year in country, and then I've been in my site about nine months. 
Okay. So are you are you getting ready for I guess the the mid year in another or mid service in another three months? Or do you, are you feeling how do you feel right now, sort of doing a, a barometer check on uh, your your emotional state as a volunteer? It's always up and down throughout throughout the twenty seven months. Um yes, I can confirm that it's always up and down. <laughs> um <clears throat> I would say I it gets tough. Uh, when you first get to site, it's really exciting. Um, especially we had, like, I think a lot of volunteers, an observational period. And then after that observational period ends, you get to start working and you kind of see all these possibilities and opportunities and cool and new experiences that you get to have. And then you kind of realize that, especially in Columbia, you're one volunteer against a lot of different forces. There's government, there's community politics, there's lots of stuff already going on. This community was kind of already living their lives before you showed up. So I think around now that we're, what, nine, ten months into being at our sites, we're kind of all starting to (laughs) come to terms with that and figure out how we fit into the puzzle and how we can really make our service meaningful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you definitely come in very wide-eyed. Everything is new and exciting. And then I, I, I don't want to put a, a, a bad sort of light on it, but you run up against a lot of walls <laughs> and you, you sort of figure Definitely. out, okay, here, here, here are the boundaries. How can I work within them? Definitely. And I think at this point in our service, me and the rest of the group, we're all kind of trying to think of like, okay, what are the things that we really love about Columbia? What are the things keeping us here that aren't work related? Um, and kind of kind of those small things keep us going and keep us believing that one day we'll have some small successes, some small projects that really take off. Mm-hmm. And you you may get to the very last month, week of your service, and then things that you did uh, right around this time, you'll realize actually turned into something that you never thought they were going to. So usually the successes or the wins uh, are definitely, uh, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, you don't actually realize yeah. you're having a win at the time. That's the crazy part about Peace Corps service. It's so serendipitous and spontaneous. Someone you like run into this two on the street could end up being a key project partner. And who you meet is just so random but determines so much in the course of your service. So I would definitely say being open to all possibilities is something that I try to focus on. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you've had uh, a, a year of being in country. Uh, do you have a favorite Peace Corps memory or a few favorite memories uh, from your service thus far in Colombia? Yeah. Um, so around in my town is really close to Barranquilla, which is the country's third largest city, um, and it's the regional ca- the department capital. So a lot of kids in my town will commute back and forth to university and then they'll live in my town. So around December, Christmas time, they all come home for winter break. And that is really fun because a lot of my good friends in site are university aged. Um, So around the new year, they decided that they were going to have a kite flying competition on the biggest mountain in our town. I live in a pretty mountainy town right on the coast. And So they, it was really spontaneous. They just climbed up to the mountain and invited everybody on Facebook and people came from all over the town, made their own kites. They had junior is the big soccer team here. So people brought junior kites that they had made. There were prizes for creativity and how far you could fly your kite. And it was like one of the biggest, like the most intense community events that I had seen since I had been there. And it was so spontaneous. And my friends just like decided to organize it on a whim. 
Um, and it was really beautiful. And then later that night, they did a camp out to watch the stars. And I kind of thought that we were just going to watch the stars for like an hour or two around midnight. And then we were going to go home. And then I arrived and they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to stay here all night. We're going to sleep on the mountain. And I was just like, oh, no, what have I signed up for? So we made a big bucket of popcorn and a big bucket of tinto, which is instant black coffee with a bunch of sugar in it. And we slept on the mountain all night. Um, And it's usually really hot on the coast, but... In December and January, it gets really breezy, especially in my town because we're close to the ocean. And it was so cold. I have never been cold on the coast except for that night. Um, But we just bundled up and kind of all slept on the mountain together. Um, And it was one of the first times that I felt like really accepted uh, by my community. And it was just so beautiful and so serendipitous (laughs) Um, and made me like really love my site and appreciate the beauty of it. Um, so that's definitely been one of my favorite memories so far. And just in general, um, kind of hiking around and running with my friends in my site and exploring, we do a lot of that. There's lots of trails and green space and stuff like that. So that's been really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's always nice when you have those moments and usually they're around kind of, uh, celebrations or get togethers where you, you, the first inkling where you feel that uh, not an outsider, or you kind of forget that you, you're not, you know, haven't been a part of this community for years, like everyone else. So it's it's always a nice inflection point uh, when you when you really feel like, okay, I'm I'm a part of this community now. Yeah, it is, and it goes in and out for sure. I have moments when I feel like totally an outsider and so awkward, and like awkward reaching out to people, and then I have moments where I'm just I I'm like overwhelmed by how easy it is to talk to people even though they have totally different experiences and they're from here and I'm from a completely different place yeah Mm -hmm. it is those moments are special for sure and you said you were near the regional capital but how big is your actual town is it uh, like pretty large thousands and thousands of people running water electricity or more of like a rural village paint a paint a picture for us yeah, sure. So Columbia, that's, Peace Corps Columbia is really diverse in that aspect. Um, I would say we're pretty posh core in that most sites have running water and electricity. Some sites, it depends, kind of it'll come every eight days, the water will come every eight days or every five days, and their families will keep it in an elevated tank. Um, in my site, we're about an hour outside of Barranquilla, so we get our water service from the city, um, and it's pretty reliable, although like anywhere, the light and the water go out depending on the rainy season and all of that. But um, yeah, I have electricity most of the time, water most of the time. Uh, My town is about 10,000 people, is what people tell me. I have no idea how big it actually is. And then my municipality, which is the land, I kind of live in the county seat, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the municipality spans actually a whole ton of territory. Um, And it's actually indigenous territory is my site. And so it's governed technically by indigenous law and by Colombian law. And so the territory, the land itself is huge. And there's a bunch of what we call corregimientos, which are rural communities around it. And then a bunch of beach communities uh, because we're right on the coast. So I live in the mountains kind of up from the coast, um, but there is coastline. And then there's a bunch of a handful of corregimientos, and I work in some of those rural communities that are much smaller. But my town is about 10,000 people. Okay. And then are you living alone with a host family, kind of adjacent to a host family? 
We live in host families in Peace Corps, Colombia. So my particular situation is I live with one senora um, and we get along pretty well. Um, and we have a little two bedroom house um, with a hammock out back and some flowers. It's really cute. Um, and some volunteers live with huge host families. Um, and it just really depends on the situation. But most volunteers live with host families at this point. Um, and I got really lucky for sure. I found an awesome host family experience. Mm-hmm. And then I guess now take, taking the turn, you've talked about some of the, the projects you've been doing, uh, the highlights, uh, the kite flying and, and sleeping up on the mountain. Uh, but do you have a least favorite memory or something that you have struggled with as a volunteer? Yeah, I actually have told this story so many times to people around me and to family back home. But uh, it's really hot on the coast, so we have our fans going pretty much all the time, especially at night. And there was a period of time last year when I had a bunch of rats in my house. And I could hear them, especially when the power went out, kind of like squeaking around in my room. And I woke up one night to a loud clanging sound. And I couldn't figure out what was happening. And I turned the light on and a, a mouse had crawled into the cage of my fan. It kind of has that plastic cage around it. I don't know how on earth it got its body through those little slots, but it crawled into the cage of the fan and the fan blades had killed it. So it was dead when I saw it, but the fan blades were still going. So they were just whipping the poor little mouse carcass around. So I turned off the fan, but it was like 2 a.m. And I really didn't want the dead rat to stay in my room. I was really freaked out. So I put it outside my room and I tried to text my host mom. I couldn't open up the house because it was all closed up. I didn't want to wake her up in the middle of the night. But I had to text her so that when she woke up in the morning, she would know that there was a dead mouse outside my room. But it was 2 a.m. So just the Spanish texting was kind of iffy. So I sent her those messages and she woke up in the morning. I didn't sleep very well. I was so freaked out that there was a mouse, a dead mouse in my room. I, w- I woke up and she was outside trying to figure out what was happening with the fan. So she turned on the fan for like five minutes and kept whipping around the dead mouse carcass because she f- couldn't figure out what was going on. And I was half asleep and I really didn't want to deal with it. So she unplugged the fan and she left for work. And I was like, fine, I'm just going to clean the dead mouse fan myself. <laughs> and then I realized I didn't have a screwdriver and I was going to have to ask her for a screwdriver to get the cage of the fan open. And I was just like dreading it all day. And I was worried that she was going to like chastise me and ask me why there were mice in my room. And I came back to the house around lunchtime and she was already bleaching the fan blades and had taken my whole fan apart for me. And I have never been so grateful (laughs) to live with a host family than when I didn't have to deal with a dead mouse fan. It was just like, it was a small thing, but (laughs) on top of the stress of just like integrating into a new site, I was just like, seriously, (laughs) a fan, a mouse had to die in my fan. (laughs) So uh, that was definitely a least favorite memory. <laughs> uh, I can see how that would be a least favorite memory, but that is, uh, I've never heard that, you know, a, a mouse getting into the fan and dying, but it, I'm not surprised, uh, not surprised, but it, it definitely uh, makes for a good story. It was a very Peace Corps moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've been, uh, in country for a year, uh, you probably can remember back uh, to training where 
for me, I kind of I think I remember the high points. Uh, you always have rose colored glasses when 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 looking back uh, on things that happen. But I have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are going into Peace Corps, and I f- tend to think that a lot of volunteers start leaving. I know that there is a group of Ethiopian volunteers in Washington, D.C. right now uh, doing staging, and they're about to head out, and there's probably many more countries. Do you have any words of wisdom uh, for those volunteers who are about to get on a plane and, and start their service? Definitely. I would say have no expectations. <laughs> um, that was, I, I think I got a lot of advice. I knew a lot of Peace Corps volunteers before I left for my service. Um, and I went to school in DC. So that city is just teeming with Peace Corps volunteers. Um, and they gave <laughs> yes, me a lot is. of advice. <laughs> they gave me a lot of advice like this. And they kind of told me it's going to be lonely. It's going to be isolating at times, but it'll be worth it. They kind of told me all the Peace Corps cliches. But I really didn't, it's really, you don't know what it's like until you really live it yourself. Um, And I would say one of the best ways to handle all of the change and all of the unexpectedness is just to go with the flow as much as you can and kind of leave all your expectations at the door. Um, I think a lot of, unlike a lot of Peace Corps countries, I hear a lot of volunteers say, especially on your podcast, when I got assigned my Peace Corps country, I didn't know where it was or I didn't know what it was like. I had to Google it. Um, and Colombia is totally not that way. Colombia already has like a really strong reputation, I think, especially for the, with the United States. Um, so I think me and the rest of my cohort, we all had a really strong vision of what we thought Colombia was going to be like and what we thought our service here was going to be like, you know, drinking fresh coffee in the green rolling hills of Colombia. But it really... It's not like that at all. And it just depends. It depends so much on where you serve and what your site is like and what region of the country you're in. And you just cannot begin to know <laughs> what it's going to be like. So I think the best way to handle all that change is just to kind of accept that you have no control <laughs> over what's about to happen. You have no control over what site they send you to or whether you have electricity or running water. You can express your preferences, but that's kind of as far as you can go with it. So I, I struggled with that a lot during pre-service training. Um, it was hot. It was nothing like I expected. I couldn't understand the Spanish. Um, and when I kind of finally accepted that <laughs> I had no control over anything <laughs> and I just needed to appreciate what kind of fell into my lap and what was happening, that made me a lot happier. So I would say flexibility and comfort with ambiguity. If you can accomplish those two things, you'll be very happy during your Peace Corps service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could not agree more with that. And I'm guessing you had a background in Spanish uh, before arriving in Colombia? Yes, I had about maybe like an intermediate level of Spanish when I got here. And so did a lot of our group. The thing about Colombia and especially the coast is that the accent is so difficult to pick up at first. Um, people speak really fast and they kind of eat their words in their mouth just like the way that people speak here. And Colombia is, I think I said this before, it has so much cultural and geographic and ecological diversity because the regions are kind of divided. Um, There's like the coffee region and the capital region and the Amazon region. And so the coastal region is even more so than in the U.S. It just has a really distinct accent and culture. Um, So when you first get here, oh, the Spanish is 
very jarring and people speak very fast and they speak really loud. Um, and the culture in general is just kind of loud and in your face, not in a bad way, just in a kind of if you're used to a quiet office in Washington, D.C., it can be jarring when you first get here. So um, so that I definitely struggle with that at first. But once you once you spend, what, 10 months in your community, um, you pick it up. So. Mm-hmm. And I, I tend to ask people uh, what you're going to miss about Peace Corps service. And then for those who are currently serving, I ask uh, what you think you're going to miss. But before we do that, is there anything that you have been missing uh, about the United States? Uh, things that you have been jonesing for? And it could be things as simple as Reese's peanut butter cups or air conditioning. <laughs> Uh, but what are the things that you, you miss about the U S being in Columbia? I would definitely say air conditioning (laughs) is a big one. Um, fortunate enough, we can get a lot of stuff in our big cities. Columbia is really interesting in that the rural areas where we serve, there's not a lot available, but then you kind of travel an hour or a few hours to a big city and you can get a lot of amenities that you could access in the United States. Um, so I would say we're pretty posh core in that sense, but I definitely miss AC. I definitely miss cheese, <laughs> um, like fancy cheeses. Um, and then one kind of non-material thing that I really miss, and I kind of didn't realize this until recently, it's kind of hitting me at the one year mark, is, and I think a lot of Peace Corps volunteers feel this way, is it doesn't matter how integrated you feel in your site or with your host family it's just kind of feeling at home and comfortable and like you're in your own niche or culture. Um, so I feel like I'm comfortable in the culture and comfortable in the language and all that at this point. But sometimes I forget <laughs> that what it was like to just for people to not stare at you or for you to be able to res- not think about your responses before you say them or um, constantly think about whether you're acting appropriately according to cultural cues or things like that. Um, so I definitely miss feeling that sense of being at home and, and comfortable. Um, although there's definitely positives to being pushed outside your comfort zone. Um, and it definitely has taught me, I can't even begin to imagine what the immigrant or refugee experience is like in the United States when your family kind of moves permanently into a brand new culture, you don't know the language and you're not familiar with why people do the things they do. And then you just have to live there for the rest of your life. That has really um, stuck with me so far during Peace Corps. Um, So definitely one thing that I miss about home is that. um, But I recognize that that is a huge part of the value of Peace Corps service is kind of pushing you, pushing yourself to be uncomfortable, even though it really sucks at times. Um, It is a really valuable experience. Mm -hmm. And that I think was one of the biggest takeaways for me, uh, sort of learning and understanding what it really means to be uncomfortable and out of place. Because uh, you rarely really feel that to the degree you do in Peace Corps. And then, yeah, as you said, sort of having a, a, a lot more empathy for uh, people who are visiting the United States or immigrants to the United States uh, and just understanding a little bit more of what they're going through. You know, Peace Corps service is only a few years and it's uh, not as permanent as, you know, being being an, an immigrant and making a life here, but it does help you understand a lot more. Because uh, I just had a conversation this past week with a visiting scholar 
from Japan, and she was talking about how she was very embarrassed about her English. And I was like, "Hey, I I know what you're going through. I you know, <laughs> was a, was a volunteer fumbling through French for two years, uh, but it gets like it gets better. Don't worry. Like make mistakes. Uh, it's perfectly okay. So it's it's those sort of things that you start to pick up on and learn that maybe you don't think that you're going to as a volunteer. Definitely. And I, that's one of those things that I think it doesn't matter what culture you're serving in, what language you're speaking, what country you go to is a universal Peace Corps experience because I would never have guessed that I would feel as isolated as I do at times being in Colombia, given all the amenities that we have access to and kind of, you know, I can speak English, I can call people. Um, we're truly not that isolated, but it's still just being in a totally different culture from your own. It's one of those experiences, again, that people can tell you about all they want, but until you live it, you just, it's hard to understand what it feels like. Mm -hmm. And then what do you think you're going to miss about your, your time in Columbia, be it Peace Corps service specific or just the culture and community uh, that you have been surrounded by for these past several months? Um, I think despite how challenging it is, I definitely will miss the work and the way that the work is structured. Um, We kind of were trained during our pre-service training that you have these work objectives and these things that you're supposed to accomplish, but at the end of the day, what your community tells you is king. So it's all about listening to your community, interviewing members of your community, constantly checking in with what their priorities are, what their goals are for their lives, for themselves, for the community. Um, And I really, really deeply believe in that. Um, And that's something that I think we don't have the freedom to really do in the States. We have a lot of (laughs) our work culture is very centered around objectives and accomplishing goals and kind of getting things done in a productive manner. So I definitely will miss the relaxed pace of work, but also the chance to base it in something as meaningful, even if it can be frustrating at times, to um, as meaningful as what the community really wants for themselves. Um, And then the other thing is just the adventure, the sense of adventure in your everyday work. Because my municipality is so big and I kind of work out in the rural communities, I find myself just like traveling day to day hopping on a motorcycle, um, for which I have a waiver (laughs) to ride, (laughs) um, or, you know, on the bus, um, traveling a half an hour to go access, to go work with this really little rural community, um, and, you know, meeting new people. And even though it can be really uncomfortable kind of showing up every day and not knowing what's going to (laughs) happen, which is a source of a lot of stress, I can say, on most days. But I will definitely miss that sense of just like the unknown and adventure and just getting to, I mean, when else in my life am I going to work with a sausage making business? I mean, one one of my days recently was spent like 8 o'clock to 6 p.m. literally watching five people make sausage chorizo and butifara, which is a like kind of local sausage that they make here all day long by hand. They serve me lunch and I just kind of watch their process. And um, it was just like one of those random rare experiences that um, was really special to me. And I felt like kind of like I was watching the rural economy being built before my eyes and like so inspired by these rural entrepreneurs and and these small moments that you see of people, not you doing anything, but them like truly building their community for themselves. So even though Peace Corps service, especially around the year mark, can get hard and kind of arduous, I still have those moments where I'm just like, wow, I can't believe I can't believe I get to be here and have this experience that is so unique from 
being a tourist in Cartagena or seeing Colombia, you know, on a coffee tour, um, I can definitely say that the experience that I'm having and, and the chance to see things through my community's eyes is really special and meaningful to me. So I'll definitely miss that. Mm-hmm. And as, as you were talking, uh, a question popped into my head, which was probably better suited for the, the very beginning of the podcast. Uh, but what were, your, what were your reasons for joining the Peace Corps? Was it just because you were in Washington, D.C., surrounded by all these <laughs> returned Peace Corps volunteers? Like, oh, this sounds uh, like a good idea. Or was it something that you had wanted to do for a while? Maybe is it something that you see sort of fitting into a longer-term career in international development? What was your reasons for joining Peace Corps? So I actually have known about Peace Corps as long as I can remember. When I was really little, I think we had, like my grandfather had a friend whose son served in Peace Corps way back when it was kind of a whole different program, much more intense, way back in the 70s or 80s. Um, And so it kind of my family had always talked to me about what Peace Corps was, and I knew in the back of my head what it was. So I kind of grew up, believe it or not, like thinking that I wanted to be a Peace Corps volunteer. And at that point, it was just kind of a pipe dream. I had no idea that I would go on to study like international relations and be so uh, involved in it the way that I am now. Um, But I definitely, it was always, yeah, it was always a goal for me. And then I went to American University and especially there, the community of Peace Corps volunteers is really strong. I had lots of bosses who are Peace Corps volunteers, lots of professors. Um, And then I kind of got caught up in the Washington, D.C. life. Um, and I stayed there to work for a year and realized that Peace Corps had been a goal for me so long. And I believed so much in the way that Peace Corps did things, um, kind of long-term service where you really get to know your community, you speak the language, you integrate, you really listen to what and learn from whatever community you're going into. I kept thinking, I can't, there's no way I can possibly work in anything in a international without having had this experience. I just won't feel whole or like I (laughs) have kind of had the experiences that I need to, to make this work meaningful for myself. Um, So I was working in reproductive health and international development before. And then I just decided, you know, this air conditioned office is nice, but I'm going to go have a real experience first and maybe come back to it. Um, And I even though, like I said, it, it gets really tough, especially around the year mark, I couldn't be happier that I made the decision to be a Peace Corps volunteer. And despite how frustrating it can be on the day to day, I still really believe in the work and really believe that uh, the Peace Corps is meaningful and everybody's service is meaningful in some way. And when they say like constructing world peace and friendship, it's really cheesy, but I still, I do feel like that happens. Uh, No matter whether you accomplish your work objectives or not, I still feel like it forces me to build relationships and understand people that I would never be forced to kind of connect with otherwise. It really pushes you outside your comfort zone. And for that, I am so grateful and so happy that I joined Peace Corps. Uh, excellent, excellent reasons for joining Peace Corps. And I definitely agree that uh, it will help you leaps and bounds in your career, just being able to understand how are things actually on the ground and being able to relate a little bit more uh, to to the communities that you will be one day uh, working in in a, in a larger capacity. For sure. That's the goal. Uh, well, 
Uh, I asked this question of return volunteers, you know, something that you learned that has stayed with you, but you're still, you're still learning every single day is a, is a learning experience and a learning opportunity. Uh, but what are some lessons that you have learned thus far, uh, that have surprised you or that you feel are really foundational to your service? Um, I think I kind of already mentioned it, but I would definitely say comfort with ambiguity, is something I was not good at before I came into Peace Corps. And I kind of had all these visions and expectations for what things need should be like or what I thought they would be like. And Peace Corps destroyed all of that. <laughs> um, kind of, like I said, you wake up every day and you don't know what's what's going to happen. Or I can't tell you the number of times that I show up to meetings and I have no idea who I'm meeting with or what we're going to talk about or really why they called me there. Or I don't know if I'm supposed to teach a class, so I come with a class prepared, but then I don't end up teaching it because only three people show up. It's kind of like the day-to-day is just so ambiguous, and I still struggle with it, but I think I've definitely gotten better at being more go-with-the-flow and kind of whatever happens, happens. Um, and that's a very, like, Costeño attitude. People here are, are very much like that. Um, so I've definitely gotten better at dealing with ambiguity. And then kind of in the same vein uh, – just remaining optimistic and positive that things are going to work out or things are worthwhile, even though they seem like they're not. <laughs> I, th- I would say after, especially after a year of service, you, it kind of feels like you have tried <laughs> a bunch of different things, a bunch of different strategies, a bunch of different projects, working with a, a ton of different kind of people. And by the time you're a year in, you kind of think, okay, I know it doesn't work. I know people reacted to this and this and this in a negative way. Is there anything, is there, could there possibly be anything that will work is kind of the attitude that you get into. So Peace Corps has definitely taught me the power and the importance of optimism, even when it seems just like silly or like, you know, that things aren't going to work out. You have to go into it believing that they are because the attitude that you bring to the work is going to be reflected back to you. So if you're excited to meet with people, they're going to be excited to meet with you. Um, and if you show strong leadership on a project or you're excited about something, they'll give you that excitement back. Um, so which can be really hard because if things have kind of failed in your face, a lot of times it's hard to still show up to meetings and still keep doing the work in that positive manner, <laughs> like things are going to work out, even though they haven't in the past. Uh, but I truly think like that's the key is that to get those small successes and like really uh, connect with your community, you have to just keep showing up and just keep being optimistic, even when it seems like you don't have a purpose or your work isn't going well, or you're not integrating like you think you should be. Just keep going. <laughs> Um, and kind of express that positive optimism and gratitude for the experience, whether you feel it or not, just kind of fake it till you make it. That's definitely a a lesson that um, is of value to me so far in the Peace Corps. Well, those are uh, two excellent lessons, uh, the comfort with the ambiguity and the ability to stay optimistic. Uh, I definitely gained those a little bit and uh, I've tried to maintain them uh, for the for the most part in the United States. Uh, uh, at least I'd like to think so. So definitely uh, two good things to learn to help you in your service and after the fact. Definitely. Well, I've had a pleasure uh, talking with you. I always love uh, connecting uh, with current volunteers uh, because uh, – 
you know, you're in the moment. Uh, everything that's happening is very, very fresh, uh, and your experiences are unfolding uh, minute by minute. Uh, is there anything else that you want to let the listeners of the My Peace Corps Story podcast know before we close out the show? Yeah, um, I would say Colombia is definitely a growing region for tourism at the moment. It's kind of having its uh, 15 minutes of fame, and I would say definitely come visit. Uh, there's a lot of stereotypes that float around about Colombia and the violence and drugs and narcos and all of that. And Colombians know it. They know that we have those stereotypes um, and they don't like it. <laughs> uh, people tell me all the time. It's so frustrating that people only know Colombia for the, our violent history um, that really a lot of us can't control. And we've been really affected by it. But we still have this like really rich culture, and I just can't stress enough how diverse it is uh, from the coast to the interior. Um, and even in Barranquilla, they have the second largest carnival celebrations outside of Rio. Um, and just the cultural diversity, even five hours down the road, is incredible. The indigenous groups, there's a, an escaped slave community where a volunteer serves. Uh, just the diversity on the coast is really incredible. So I would say if you have been itching to come visit Colombia, you should do it and you should push yourself to do have experiences that are kind of beyond the normal um, tourist attractions because there is so much to see and it's so diverse and so awesome. Um, so I would definitely encourage you to come visit Colombia and learn about it beyond what we already know about Colombia in the States or what we think we know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Colombia has been uh, on a... a travel dream list of mine for a little bit and I don't know if you've seen I think there's a series of two or three videos um, that were done by Vox uh, the Beyond Borders about yes. Columbia <laughs> yeah uh, so I've, I've recently watched those and uh, I definitely want to go see some of that stuff especially the hippos um, <laughs> in, in Colombia which is so bizarre because I actually served uh, in in a country that had hippos right outside my house uh, so it's a little bizarre to think that there are also some invasive hippos in Colombia. For sure. Yeah, there's so much there's so much to see. So many awesome tourist sites and so many diverse places to see. It's really incredible. So I would say you would get your money's worth if you took a gamble on Colombia. Okay. Well, I will move it move it up towards the top of the list. Uh it has been a pleasure talking with you, Jane, about your service in Colombia. Uh, to close it out, do you have a favorite quote or local saying uh, to share with us? Yes. So I kind of crowdsource this one. The Costeños <laughs> have a lot of um, a lot of slang and a lot of words that are really specific to the coast. So anywhere I go, people ask, "Have you learned to speak Costeño yet?" Which is like a combination of Costeño and Espanol. Uh, so they're very proud of their regional dialect. Um, but one phrase they like to do a lot, and it really reflects the way the culture is here, is mamando gallo, which means joking around, essentially, or giving you a hard time. So I would say you can't get through any conversation here on the coast without someone mamando gallo with you. And sometimes, especially as a foreigner, it's hard to tell when people are giving you a hard time and when they're actually being serious, especially when you're self-conscious about your Spanish or self-conscious about being the only foreigner in the room. And then they just joke like crazy and give you a hard time. Um, and it's all part of the lighthearted culture of the coast. No one really takes themselves too seriously. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, jokes are one of the last things that you tend to learn when learning a language, and that can be difficult. Uh, so thank you for sharing uh, that with us. That is absolutely perfect. And as I've already stated, it has been a pleasure talking with you and learning a little bit more about your service. I wish you the best uh, in the coming year uh, as you enter into year two and look forward to staying connected with you and just seeing how your service unfolds. Thank you so much, Tyler. It's been awesome. And there you have it. Another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. Thank you for spending some time with me and Jane hearing a little bit about her Peace Corps service almost one year in. If you have a story to tell or know someone who has a story to tell, uh, encourage them to come on this show. Uh, they don't have to be afraid of, of coming on a podcast and speaking. I mess up all the time. I say Oz ums. So's out the wazoo. I usually end up recording these intros and outros like five different times because I just start talking and say dumb stuff. Uh, I, I could edit it. Uh, so if you, there we go with another so, uh, if you come on the podcast, you know, you don't have to worry about it. It's a friendly environment where we're just talking about Peace Corps, uh, the good, the bad, uh, the amazing, the not so amazing, and everything in between. So come on the show if you have a story to tell, because as you know, every volunteer has a story. What's yours?